You don't want me all of that. What a, a privilege and pleasure it was last night for our church family to be able to carol with the good stuff through Skipac. At one point, I was able to count, we had 48 folks out there right in town. And as we were singing some of those Christmas carols, uh, the ones about the birth of Jesus, uh, it was so neat to see the reactions of the shoppers uh, because they hadn't seen that in a while. And not, not the kind of caroling we were doing. We had some small crowds uh, gather and watch, and people were beeping as they were driving by, I think, in joint celebration with us. Maybe, maybe hey, stay out of the road. We weren't in the road, but maybe they were just warning us uh, what's going on. Uh, what a neat privilege. And one of the shoppers said to us, this is a lost art. And that was really interesting. I thought about that for a while. What does that mean? It's a lost art. Uh, just celebrating the true meaning of Christmas in a public and joyful and hopeful way. And that was just really neat. Uh, because for Advent season, for many Americans, it's not really joyful this year. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of suffering. And uh, our world needs the message of the Advent of Jesus Christ. As we heard from our readers this morning, it's the third week of Advent, and our sermon series is Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. And uh, everybody needs it, especially Daniel. So I'll start with a story. I changed Daniel's name from his real name. A Thanksgiving day a few years ago was a day that changed Daniel's life. This report is from the local ABC affiliate in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, Daniel was waiting and waiting and waiting that Thanksgiving day until finally the doors of the Best Buy opened at 5 p.m. Daniel and the 200 other people in line stormed in to get the glorious, life-changing, slightly larger TV. The reporter added this, many of these purchases that the people bought will end up underneath a Christmas tree, but for Daniel, he says his new TV will be going up immediately for a specific reason. How was Daniel going to celebrate Advent that year, having his new TV? And this is a quote. I didn't make this up. I got 30 days left to watch Friends on Netflix it's my favorite show of all time. I want to watch it right now. So I'm going to do 236 episodes in 30 days. I can do it. That's conviction. That new TV had a purpose. Did you wish for something this Christmas? Did you already buy that thing you wanted on Black Friday or on Cyber Monday or on early Black Friday or early Cyber Monday or late Black Friday month? Did you get something? Is it going to be as good as that TV was for Daniel? I hope not. I hope you know that your heart and my heart needs something so much greater than that. It's the light that shines in the darkness. This morning in our text, we will see that we, on that first Christmas, received the true light. It'll be in John 1, verses 1 
verses 9 through 11. It's also on your bulletin. Let me pray first, and then I'll read our text. Heavenly Father, this world is dark, but you have not forsaken this world. You sent your Son, the true light, to shine in the darkness. But as we read, your Son was not received with gladness and joy by everyone. So help us ponder whether or not our hearts have truly received him. And what it means for us to receive him as the true light today. Father, we plead with you to fill our hearts with the light of your son Jesus this Advent season. Help us be nourished by the light from your word this morning as your word comes forth. In Christ, our light's name we pray. Amen. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. This is the word of the light of the world. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. The true light has arrived. The true light was not known. The true light was not received. Those are the three points from our text this morning. Three things about Jesus. The true light has arrived. The true light was not known. And the true light was not received And once we work through these three, we'll have a problem to address and then the gospel as our solution. First, the true light has arrived. In the gospel of John, light is talking about spiritual reality. John is not saying that when Jesus came to earth, the sun shined brighter and lamps in homes lit brighter. That is not what John is saying. He's not talking about physical light, torch light. He's talking about spiritual reality. Jesus is the true light. So in this world, when there is folly, Jesus is the source of all wisdom. In this world, when there is deception, Jesus is the author of all truth. When there is in this world confusion, Jesus is the only one who can clarify. He is the true light, spiritually. And relationally, he does this too. When we are lonely and we feel surrounded by the darkness, Jesus is the God who walked among us as the light. When we go this week maybe or last week and walk away for a time and and go on a wayward path, Jesus is the loving instructor who calls us back to the path of light. When we are unsure of what to do or where to go or what to say or when to say it or what not to say. Jesus is the good shepherd. He lights our way. When we don't know, he says, just follow me. Jesus is the true light. And John says, he's not coming one day. He has arrived. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So Jesus was and is the light you and I needed. 
Not just for spiritual realities and not just for relational needs. The true light is the biggest thing we need. What do you want for Christmas? Have you made a list? We let our kids make a list. What would you maybe want for Christmas? Hypothetically, in case your parents are definitely going to order whatever's on the top of the list. But make a list and check it twice. Have you done that? John is saying that if the world had made a list of what it truly needed, the thing at the top would not be a thing. The thing at the top was going to be a solution for sin which separates us from God. The thing that the world needed most was a solution to the problem of our sins separating us from our creator, separating us from our redeemer, separating us from the truth, separating us from life. And so when you're a kid, you fill out what you want most and maybe you want Robux. That's one of the common things asked for this year. Or if you're a teen, you want the latest Bluetooth earbuds. When you get older, what do we do? What do we, when we go into our own heart and think, what do we really want most? Sometimes we want a person or we want a job or we want a promotion or we want a pile of cash or we want a vacation. We want a break from it all. That's the thing we think our heart needs most. But in Christ, we get the thing we really needed most. His light counters the darkness of sin. The true light has arrived. And so everyone who believes in the child born on Christmas, in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, everyone who believes in him receives the true light. They are forgiven of their sins, restored into their relationship with their creator, born again, redeemed. And this light is for everyone. This good news is for everyone. When we were caroling last night, I knew that everyone hearing our voices, not all of them believed what we believe about Jesus. But we sang anyway. Because the good news is for everyone. And everyone who calls on his name will be saved. Everyone. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone. The offer is for the world was coming into the world. But if we're honest, he's not the gift we knew we wanted, right? He's not the gift we as a world knew we wanted, but he is the gift God knew we needed. The sad thing is, as we think of some loved ones and some uh, co-workers and neighbors, the sad thing is that not everyone has received him. The world is full of darkness and not everyone we know knows the true light. They're suffering and they have no one to pray to. They're going through a trial and they have no one to intercede for them. They're in the darkness and they need the light, but they have not received the light. But John would say, well, that's not Jesus' fault. He has and is shining his light. Jesus came as predicted. He loved as promised. He died as he determined to. He rose again as prophesied. And so later on in John, in chapter 3, after John 3, 16 and 17, John says this, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The point one is really good news. The true light has arrived 
But points two and three are the sad parts of that because not everyone has believed or received. So point one, the true light has arrived. Point number two, the true light was not known. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10 now in John 1. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Okay, it's no secret that not everyone believes in Jesus. Back then, not everybody believed in Jesus. And today, not everyone believes in Jesus. But today, the question little kids talk about in the neighborhood is not, do you believe in Jesus? Is Jesus real? The question this month is about Santa. Is Santa real? Do you believe in Santa? You know what's interesting, though? Just the smallest amount of witness in someone's life will get them asking that question. Uh, This summer, we had our vacation Bible school, and I was talking to one of the kids who was invited by his friends in their neighborhood uh, who came out, and he had never heard Bible stories before. And he was in a group, and, and one of my kids was there, and I was there, and as we were talking, the thing popped in his head, and he said to one of us, wait, are those stories real? And we were like, Holding in the excitement. (laughs) Yeah. It's real. They're real stories, buddy. So how can we share a little bit of the light? Because if people are walking in the darkness and they hear that there's light for their darkness, maybe when they lay their head down that night on their pillow in their darkness, maybe they'll go, she said it was real. Is it real? He told me he believes it. Is it real? Then pray that God would open those doors for us to shine the true light into the darkness. But many people are asking, you know, is Santa real? John wants us to focus on Jesus. Who was Jesus? Who was he really? And verse 10 tells us an outline of Jesus. Look at verse 10. He was in the world. Okay, he's the second person in the Trinity. He took on human flesh. He came and was born of a virgin, and he really was a human being. This tells us that Jesus was fully man. He wasn't a spirit floating around in the world. He wasn't an angel. He wasn't, he wasn't some superhero. He was God himself, but he took on human flesh. He was fully man. He was in the world. This is Real. This is not a fairy tale. Jesus walked among us. And then it says, and the world was made through him. So he wasn't just any man. I mean, who could say they're a man who also was there when the world was made? John is telling us that Jesus, not only was he fully man, he was fully God. He was God himself. God among us, Emmanuel, God walking in our midst because he was in the world. He was a man, but the world was made through him. He was God. And who could solve the problem between God and man if sin is separating God and man? You're going to need someone who is both God and man to represent humanity and to represent God, to represent us and to act in God's Stead. And so Jesus is God, not just representing God, but he is God. He was in the world. He was a man. And the world was made through him. He's God. And yet it says the world did not know him. 
God stepped onto earth and walked among us and we missed it. Is there any greater misidentification of a human being? Did you not know who was visiting at your house? Did you not know who was at church today? Did you not know who was at work today? Hey, we have a VIP coming into the office this week. Everybody put on their best faces. Pretend you enjoy working here and then smile when the VIP comes. God walked among us and the world did not receive him. Let's rephrase that a little bit because John wants us to think of how shocking this is. That God walked among us. Okay, here's how shocking it is. The creator was ignored by his creation. The life giver was neglected by the living. The gift giver was taken for granted by the gift getters. How about this? God gave humans breath in our lungs and they used their breath to shout crucify him. That was grand theft oxygen. Right? I mean, think about it. We have stolen oxygen from the atmosphere to breathe as a gift from God and we use it to praise other gods. That's what we did. That's what the world did. John is saying, see the contrast. In Romans chapter 1, we learn how deadly all this was. Romans 1.28, and since they, the world at the time, did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So the the mind maker gives minds to humans and we used our minds to say, I have determined there is no God. God's light was on and we turned the light off. We said, give me the darkness. I want the darkness, not the light. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we needed the light and he had arrived. All the good Christmas carols tell the story of his arrival. Right? Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Peace, peace. Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one and calls you all to gain his everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. And that's point number two. Point one, the true light has arrived. Point two, the true light was not known. It's a tragedy. It's so sad. And point three is also sad. The true light was not received. Look at verse 11 now. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Jesus didn't just come into the world generally, but he was born among the Jewish people, the Israelites, God's old covenant people. Uh, Let me read just a few of the scriptures that the Israelites would have had in their mind when they were waiting for the Messiah to come and how special their relationship was with God over a millennia. Deuteronomy 4, 7. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? So they knew 
God was near to us in a special way. And now Emmanuel, God comes to actually walk among them. Psalm 147, verse 20. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. So God's people in the Old Covenant had God's law. They knew it through Moses. They knew who God was and how he acted and how he wanted them to live. Jeremiah 7, verse 25. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. So the the Jewish people knew that over and over, God, he keeps sending someone to tell us about his love and his redemption and his story and his law and his righteousness. Over and over, the prophets came. God is near and he sends people to us. What a relationship they had. And Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But, and here's the arrival of Jesus, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. There's the tie-in to John 1. A great little Bible study is Genesis 1, John 1, Hebrews 1. If you want to see how those are just woven together by God as the scriptures are written. So God had a special relationship in the old covenant with his people Israel. They were his people. And yes, others were invited in. Think of people like Ruth. They were invited in. But God worked in a nation, in a geographic location. And when Jesus was born, He wasn't born in Australia. He wasn't born in New York. He wasn't born in Brazil. He was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. He came to that family of God, the people of Israel, the people of the Old Covenant. They had been hoping. They were waiting in the darkness. They were longing. They were in exile. And the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 9, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So when God sends his son, the light of the world, the true light into the world, he doesn't randomly send him to somewhere and his people would never find him. God sends his son right to them. So when Joseph and Mary are traveling to Bethlehem, While she is pregnant with Jesus, God is getting Jesus exactly, precisely where the people, his people knew he was going to be born. As you celebrate Advent, if you set up a nativity, when you read the Christmas stories in Luke and Matthew, remember that every part, every detail is finely tuned to get Jesus exactly where he needed to be to his people. Micah, the prophet in 5.2, says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. 
It's such great news. When you tell the Christmas stories, every single piece of it is amazing. It's the fulfillment of prophecy. It's God keeping his promise. It's light walking in darkness. It's hope shining into depression and anxiety and suffering and loneliness and hopelessness. It's exactly what the world needed. God was doing everything he promised at the cost of his own son. The true light has arrived and it was shining In the darkness, but verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Such a tragedy. Now, some did, of course. You know, Mary sings her Magnificat, that great song, a glorious song about what she knew Jesus was going to be. Others believed too. We see that in the Gospels. But not the vast majority. For the vast majority of God's people, verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And I guess it could be said of us today. The vast majority of people, maybe you know, do not claim that Jesus is the king of their life. Do not claim to follow Jesus in every part of their life. Do not claim publicly that they want to be identified with Jesus. So those are our three points from our text. The true light has arrived. The true light was not known. And the true light was not received. And that's the problem. Next week, we'll see how John tells us uh, what beautifully happens to everyone who believes. But for today, we have a problem. We have a problem and a solution. And the problem for us, if we're being honest, is that human hearts often focus on either false lights or lesser lights. So the true light has come, and the problem for our hearts is that we are tempted to love a false light or a lesser light. If you're struggling with sin at all, but you know Jesus Christ, you're struggling with a lesser light or a false light. So that's the problem. False lights are other religions or other truths or other hopes. A lesser lights are the gifts of God, which we can receive by faith, but we can take and turn into an idol. Money, power, pleasurable things, anything that distracts us from the season. So first, let's talk about the false lights. Other religions and other truth claims are false lights. John is saying the true light has arrived, but the world did not receive it. Uh, What are some of the false lights right now? A lot of the false lights are in the category of spiritual but not religious. Have you heard that phrase? Okay, let me give you the testimony of someone who was a professional, spiritual, but not religious person. And maybe you know them. And I want you to hear from her how she really felt at night, okay? This is from a woman named Mary Poplin. She wrote up her testimony for Christianity Today in 2017. She says this, listen to this testimony from someone who was in the darkness. At the time I was 41, I considered myself wildly progressive. As a college professor, I had been teaching critical theory, radical feminism, multiculturalism, postmodernism since the early 80s. One colleague said to another that I was the party girl of the department. Maybe you know someone like that. I was, quote, spiritual but not religious. Which meant, here's what she thought, I could be good without God. Some of you know someone who says that. Maybe that's you. You think you can be good without God. This is her testimony. In my spare time, I would attend all kinds of paranormal seminars. The kind advertised on Whole Foods bulletin boards. 
As a graduate student in the 70s, I had attended transcendental meditation classes and experimented with marijuana and psychedelic drugs. Then as a professor in L.A. in the 80s, a colleague and I would regularly explore the city's weirdest religions. Okay, some of you, everyone here now knows at least one of these people. I would collect crystals and study strange spiritual books. Eventually, I would dabble in workshops where we bent spoons and practiced hypnosis on each other while the braver ones walked on coals. A central image in my life was the actress Shirley MacLaine. This was her identity. Think about your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your family members. Shirley MacLaine dancing on the beach in free-spirited fashion. I was seeking happiness, self-fulfillment, and freedom from restraint. All the while, her words, deluding myself about my own goodness. We were the children of the 60s. I'm okay, you're okay. In my mind, and here's her last paragraph, I was like Shirley, dancing freely on the beach. But in certain moments, in the middle of the night, or in the darkness of depression, I could see glimpses of who I really was. I was not growing freer. My heart was growing harder. My emotions darker. And my mind more confused. But I was unable to admit this. Candidly. And then she finds Jesus Christ. And he sets her free. And she's freer than Shirley MacLaine on the beach. And when the darkness overwhelms her, she now has a place to go. Jesus Christ is that. On the outside, everybody thought, look at her. She's rejecting Jesus. She's living it up. She thinks she's free. She's spiritual but not religious. But every night when she thought about it, she knew she didn't have the light. And God sent someone like you or me into her life to say, Jesus can be that light. And she found him. Amen? Walking in the darkness, needing the light of Jesus. That's the false lights out there. But let's be honest. Most Christians, most of us, aren't actively seeking out those false lights. Hopefully, none of you are actively pursuing uh, Islam or Buddhism or other religions. More often, I think we're distracted by the lesser lights. So let me ask you a question. Is your mind distracted this Advent season? By something other than Jesus Christ and his light and his glory. Is your mind like one of those yards? You know what I'm talking about. Is your calendar like one of those yards? You know the yards. I saw one the other night. Hundreds of decorations lined up like an army. Blasting light and color. I couldn't, I'm driving, so I couldn't make out an individual character. It was just like the earth had opened up. And light was shining in the darkness. So at least it got that point across. Or my favorite kind of yard. My favorite kind of yard. And and I'm not judging anybody. But the one with a bunch of big inflatables. (laughs) Because at night it looks really cool. But on my way into work, it looks like a crime scene. So I'll drive by at night and I can appreciate that. And my kids like the the inflatables. Is your mind like that this month? 
Are you distracted by the busyness and the budgeting and the scheduling? Have you forgotten to build into your schedule a celebration daily, regularly of the light of Jesus stepping into our darkness, arriving on earth? Or have you blocked out the glory of Jesus by all the other distractions, all the other lesser lights? Maybe your mind is focused on one thing, but it's not Jesus. You won't have the light this Christmas season. Maybe it's a person other than Jesus, and you think just that person, their love, their affection, their forgiveness maybe, their reconciliation, that person, if I can get right with that person, I will have true peace in my heart. You can only have true peace in your heart if you are right with Jesus. And then until he reconciles you with others, Jesus can be everything you need. Other people are lesser lights if we put all of our hope in them this season. Maybe it's power. You want influence, popularity, promotion. You want to be the the kid on the bus or at school or in the neighborhood who everybody thinks is awesome. Maybe it's pleasure. And you really only want one thing under the tree, a new toy or a new way to have fun. Or maybe if we're being honest, for some of you, it's those out of bounds pleasures. And you think, yeah, that's what I want tonight. That's what I want tomorrow. And we're tempted to give in to those lesser lights. Maybe it's money. You think money will solve your darkness or possessions will turn the lights on. There's darkness and Christmas is when God sent the true light into the darkness. So that's the problem. The true light came and the world and his people didn't receive him. But some people have received Jesus. Have you received Jesus? Have you believed that your sins separated you from God and you're trusting in Jesus, repenting of your sins and saying, Jesus, forgive me, redeem me, and shine your light in me and through me so the whole world can see? If so, this Christmas season will be full of the true light and the darkness will not overcome it. Here's uh, advice for you. Get Jesus in the way of all those other things. Get Jesus in the way. Celebrating Jesus this Advent season, the last two weeks of it, will mean saying no to false lights, to say yes to the true light. And celebrating Jesus well this Advent season will be, mean saying no to some of the lesser lights that are distracting you so you can say yes, yes, yes to focusing on the true light. Because God has arrived to be with us. Verse 10, he was in the world. Verse 11, he came to his own. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, sing that song. He did come. And so the solution to our problem is the gospel, that Jesus came to walk among us. One brief illustration as I wrap this up. Uh, Have you ever heard of Dirk Pitt? Dirk Pitt. One hand, two hands, couple hands up. How about the author Clive Cussler? Movie Sahara, maybe you've heard of that. Okay. Dirk Pitt is a fictional adventurer created by author Clive Cussler. He's in a lot of books, and my father-in-law, Sarah's dad, Tom, reads them all and he loves them. And the character, Dirk Pitt, is named after the author's son, Dirk. But occasionally, when the main character in the story is in real trouble, a mysterious other character shows up. 
And the character's eerily familiar to Dirk, but he can't figure out why. And the mystery man helps Dirk in a sticky situation, and then he's gone from the story. Well, the mystery man is actually the author writing himself into the story. At the lowest point in his main character, named after his son's trial. Now, why would an author want his characters to know him? Well, Clive Custler loves his characters. He wants to hang out with his characters. He wants his characters to know him. He named his main character after his own son. The characters are like a family to him, but they're not real people. John is saying what God was doing on Christmas was the author of the story. Seeing his characters, real people like you and me, in terrible darkness and writing himself as the main character into the story to die, not on the pages of a fiction novel, but to really die to save the lives of the rest of the characters. That is what we're celebrating this Advent. That true light should shine and blot out the false lights and minimize all the lesser lights. The author of all creation wanted to be with us. And his main character is his own son. And that makes it possible for the rest of us to experience light in our darkness this Advent season and to share that light with a world who needs it. Because you know who wanted that first Christmas even more than us, a world stuck in the darkness? Who wanted that first Christmas even more? The one who planned it. God himself wanted a relationship with his people. And he sent his son, the true light, to solve the problem of sin so that you and I could have light that no darkness could overcome. O come, O come, Emmanuel, He did. The true light shines in the darkness. May God help you and I celebrate that true light this Advent season and share it by caroling or any other way with a world that needs it. Let me pray. Lord, your light is beautiful. Your light solves all of our problems. Your light meets all all of our true needs. But we confess as a people that sometimes, Lord, we look to false lights. We give in to out-of-bounds pleasures. We focus on lesser lights and the lesser lights drown out the true light of your son, Jesus. So, Father, this Advent season, help us get Jesus in the way in our hearts and minds. Shine your light in us and through us so that the world in darkness might see that the true light has arrived. And even though the world did not receive him, we know your promise. Everyone who believes and receives him will have light and everlasting life. Do that for us. Give us your true light today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.